The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And we hope to have a more than regular show tonight. Uh, I guess that I was not able to uh, put up on the website uh, that I hope to have with us here shortly is uh, Mr. Jerry Crawford, who, of course, uh, heads up uh, Donegal Stable and his racing partners and uh, the horse Doolahan, who was so impressive in the bluegrass, uh, upsetting Hanson a week ago. I uh, hope to be talking to Jerry, and uh, he has come with a very interesting prospect as far as uh, spreading the wealth with Doolahan, his, his derby horse. Uh, then coming up, a guy by the name of Marty Grunder. You may not know his name. He's part of some interesting partnerships. Uh, Sweet Cat, who was third in the Breeders' Cup uh, Phillies Turf last year, and a horse that could be a major factor in the Kentucky Oaks in lingerie. He has connections with both of those horses, but Marty has a very interesting uh, background and his entrance into racing, so we're going to talk with him. And then, of course, uh, the uh, point-counterpoint daily racing form guy with Jay Privman, none other than Mike Watchmaker, is going to be with us to, uh, to handicap uh, the card, as you know, he's known as the Weekend Warrior, and uh, the we I let Mike select the races. He picked three very, very interesting and contentious races from different parts of the country, so that should be uh, very, very interesting. Uh, well, the headline we didn't want to see came out in the form this week. Arve de Grace retired. Injury from a workout at Churchill Downs forces the retirement of the 2011 Horse of the Year. And it's just too bad because uh, Rick Porter was uh, good enough to keep her back in training. We were hoping to see her compete all this year, and it looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, they say that uh, they detected some problem in her right front ankle following a work at Churchill Downs earlier in the week. was examined by Dr. Larry Bramlage, uh, who said that he really didn't get a positive prognosis for continuing her racing career. He said the mare had sustained a ligament injury that would impact her racing career, but that she'll be just fine as a broodmare. Uh, just recapping, and she's now five years old. Uh, she won nine of her 16 races. The last one did come as an older horse. Uh, the New Orleans Lady Stakes at Fairgrounds on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, her first race since finishing fourth when she tried to take on the boys in the Breeders' Cup Classic at Churchill Downs. Of course, I'm sure she'll be sorely missed uh, by trainer Larry Jones, who did such an outstanding job and was able to wind her up to win $2.5 million. And by the way, I'm not sure how much chump change you got, but uh, she uh, she's for sale. Uh, 
she, uh, they're willing to take private offers, uh, but if not, uh, she will probably go in the Keeneland November breeding stock sale or the Fazic Tipton Kentucky November select auction. I'm sure there'll be a bit of a price for that horse of the year. And hats off to some great people in racing. What a year Johnny V's had. Nominated now to the Hall of Fame, Jackie John Velasquez. And uh, deservedly so, a great guy and one that's very active uh, in the Guild and the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. Uh, along with him will be Canadian Roger Atfield, who's just had a sensational career north of uh, the border. And the horse, Ghost Zapper. I'm sure Bobby Franco would be happy to know that happened. So they were all inducted, or will be inducted, into the Hall of Fame later this year. So uh, but congratulations to all of them. And let's uh, move on to some more uh, news of the nation uh, that we have this week. Uh, not good news. Jackie Eddie Razo was involved in some sort of explosion, and the 46-year-old was confirmed deceased uh, earlier in the week. Um, he was uh, born in Mexico City in 1966. His whole family had been involved in the horse industry for several generations, as his grandfather, father, and two brothers have all served as trainers. Uh, he's ridden some good horses. Uh, he scored in the Arlington, Washington Lassie Stakes. Uh, he, I saw him win uh, the Ohio Derby aboard Caleb's Posse. And the one thing is I've talked to people uh, in the industry, uh, to a person, they say that uh, Eddie Razo was just a class act. He was really kind of uh, on the 18th fairway of his career, and at that time of his sad death, he was making plans to become a jockey agent, very, very popular in the Chicago area. I do believe he has an Oaklawn riding title under his pocket. And uh, speaking of jockeys, this is a headline I don't think you'd be too surprised to see. Uh, back in the saddle, P-Val. Uh, the, the Betfair Hollywood Park Spring Open Meeting will be five races old when Jackie Pat Valenzuela comes back. He's 49 now, and it's going to be the latest comeback of a career that's seen many four months after he announced his retirement. So P-Val back in the saddle. We just hope that his knees will be able to hold out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we've got a, a special guest with, with us tonight. Uh, I, last night I got an uh, email. Uh, from Eric Wing late in the evening, and it was a press release uh, put out by Jerry Crawford ab about uh, his, his Donegal Racing Association and his horse, Doolahan, and that he is willing to ante up 5% of the Colts' earnings in the Kentucky Derby to the per Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. What I couldn't believe is uh, a guy by the name of Jerry Crawford that everybody knows in racing now put his own personal cell phone at the bottom of the press release, and I said, what the heck, I'm going to call, and I was so happy to wake up today and, and get a text message saying, I'd be happy to be on Winning Ponies with you, John. And with us right now, Jerry Crawford. Jerry, how are you? John, I'm doing great. Do you have that cigar fired up? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I'm, I'm in a big open room with a fan going, so I'm just fine. I can tell you this, Jerry. My mother would love you. When I, We used to go to the racetrack with her. She would sit there all day and just bet horses with Irish names. Now, my last name's Engelhart, but just to set the record straight, it's John Collins O'Brislin Daugherty Engelhart. Oh, so I go. want to know, what are your connections to the Emerald Isle? Well, that's a very good question. Um, you know, we race under Donegal Racing, and 
Uh, Donegal County, Ireland is where the Crawfords are originally from. It's also where the Kirks are originally from, Gary Kirk being one of uh, our partners in Donegal Racing. And in fact, we fly the Donegal County, Ireland flag as our racing silks. Um, Irish green and Donegal yellow blocks. And it was taken uh, from the Donegal County flag. So that's the connection. And uh, uh, whenever we can think of good uh, Irish names to give our Irish-based uh, partnership, um, uh, you know, two, uh, we, we try and do that as well. And obviously, uh, Dullahan is an Irish name, as was Patio Prado two years ago. Well, just as an aside, in the winter circle at Keeneland, I had my picture taken with the mayor of Donegal a couple years ago. He was uh, on uh, site, and uh, that is where my mother's family's from. So who knows? The, the, the O'Brislins and the Crawfords may have crossed paths uh, many moons ago. Uh, but what you're doing right now is just a, a fantastic thing, Jerry. And before I move on to, to, to what you're doing with the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, uh, I've got to ask you what it felt like to be on the one of the owners of only the second horse uh, that defeated last year's two-year-old champion, Hanson. I was in the winner's circle area when you and your group came in there. It looked like St. Patrick's Day collided with Mardi Gras. <laughs> well, we, we were sporting the uh, green and yellow beads and uh, threw those to the crowd when we were done. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, John, as you know, um, the noise all week long leading up to the bluegrass stakes was made by the connections of Hanson, who, by the way, is a beautiful and spectacular horse. Um, but they, they were, shall we say, a touch on the, as it turned out, overconfident side. And they couldn't have been any more confident that we, than we were. I mean, we absolutely were convinced we would win the race, and we did. And uh, uh, so, yeah, it was then that we decided, okay, now it's our turn to make some noise, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, it, it really did. And by the way, all of these broadcasts are podcasts, and you can go back and check my selection in the bluegrass last week, and it was a Donegal Hanson Exacta cold. You Perfect. on top. Perfect. If you, <laughs> if you give that out in the Derby, you'll be able to retire. <laughs> I certainly hope so. It, it, it's, it's, su- it's such a great uh, uh, group of horses. I mean, to have nine horses uh, come out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and, and become stakes winners this year, I think we're, we're really geared up for a very, very you know, exciting entire series of races this year. And I, and I have to tell our listeners uh, that I've had a chance to see uh, Dulahan uh, in person, and he is absolutely striking. He is, he's, is just big and beautiful, and he's really got an intelligent eye. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your, your acquisition of him and your role in the partnership. Well, uh, we bought him uh, two years ago at the Keeneland September sale uh, as a yearling, and, and uh, he, he was by the sire even the score, who most people would consider to be relatively unknown and unfashionable. But he was out of uh, a mare that produced uh, Mind That Bird. Mind That yeah, Bird is his half I think I've heard of that horse. And so, uh, you know, our, whole, our entire goal and our partnership is to get horses to the Triple Crown. And so that certainly caught our eye. I had a very interesting conversation, uh, John, after we won the Bluegrass uh, with the fellows that run the sale at Keeneland. And they t- shared with me that there had been a disagreement amongst their group because uh, some of them thought that uh, Delahan should have gone in book one at the September sale, and others said, how can we put an even the score colt in book one? It makes no <laughs> sense. 
So what you ended up having was a horse that some of the guys in the sale thought was as fine a looking yearling as any that they had in the sale uh, going days later. And uh, probably that made him more affordable for us at 250000 which, by the way, I think is the second most we've ever spent um, on a yearling. We're, you know, we're using a beer budget to compete with uh, the billionaires in this sport, and uh, so we have to be a little more careful with our pennies. Well, I, I found it interesting that, uh, as, as I read it, that, that there are uh, 24 people from 10 states uh, that are in, involved with, with your cult, and I believe that when you brought up the idea of, of donating a portion of, of uh, Duhan's winnings uh, that to a person, they said, sounds like a great idea, it's a great cause, let's go for it. Exactly. You know, we've uh, every year we've looked for uh, some cause to try and be uh, supportive of, and uh, certainly, we've developed such a close relationship with any number of jockeys. Kent DeSormo uh, is our primary jockey. Miguel Mena rides a lot for us. We're close friends with Robbie Alvarado, um, and I could go on down the list. But, you know, not unlike in the uh, NFL on Sundays during the football season, these are guys who have enormous athletic ability but put themselves in harm's way uh, every time they get on the back of a horse. And without them, we'd have no sport. And and sometimes tragic things happen, and we, we wanted to do our part to help. And here's the great news. When Dulahan wins the Kentucky Derby a week from tomorrow, week from Saturday, it. I should say, um, because Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino in Des Moines matched our pledge, uh, that would be a check of $120,000 to uh, the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, which, you know, that's a, that's a real contribution. So... We were excited we could do it. We were excited Prairie Meadows matched it. I understand some other folks are thinking of uh, doing the same thing now, which would be awesome. Oh, uh, it would be great. I, I hope that they, they uh, ride on your shirt tail on this one. Uh, it, it's just a fantastic organization. Uh, for, for many years, I've been the uh, photographer for the Jockeys Guild. And, of course, uh, this was founded back in 2006, so I've had a great awareness of it. As a matter of fact, uh, oh, about a month ago, we had uh, Terry Meeks on this show uh, uh, talking uh, about the, the charity and uh, really where all, the, where all the money goes. People don't realize that sad to say, how much need there really is for the Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund. Yeah, and you know, John, um, recently uh, during one of the Saratoga meets, the jockeys got together and sort of did a karaoke fundraiser, and after listening to those guys sing, I mean, no offense, guys, but I figured we had to find some new way to raise money. <laughs> I remember when they had the first one at Keeneland, and I have to second your emotion. Yeah. But uh, it sure was a great time uh, had by all. You know, they, they run abashedly, uh, just having fun and almost making fun of themselves. Uh, the interaction with the audience was fantastic, and we raised uh, quite a bit of money that night, too. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, all right, Jerry. Let, let me uh, put your feet to the fire here. You know, uh, uh, there are, it, it's we're coming up on Derby Week, and everybody's going. You know, well, maybe Dale Romans. You know, he knew this horse, loved Keeneland, and he was pointing him to the bluegrass. Uh, can, can he transform his current form at, at Churchill Downs? Well, John, to be perfectly honest with you, we think his best surface is dirt, uh, and the dirt he seems to like best is Churchill Downs. So we don't have any doubt about it. Um, you know, the only horse running hard at the end of that really key race that you mentioned, last year's Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, the only horse making any ground up at the end was Dullahan. And 
uh, he was flying, and that was, of course, at a mile and a sixteenth. And now he gets to look him in the eye, go, in the eye, going a mile and a quarter. Um, I, I just really like our chances. I have to tell you. Yeah, and and it looks like now, now with Trinenberg and Bodemeister and Hansen, uh, you're going to have the setup for a come from behind effort. Exactly. Um, the, you know the the pace up front. I mean, Trinenberg has gone in twenty and three. Uh, first fraction this year. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I don't. Still scratching I my head about that ever one. <laughs> seen that before. Um, and and you've got Bodemeister who's done all of his good running on the front end. You've got Hanson who sometimes is rank uh, and wants to be out on the front end. Um, and and so yeah, we're, we're very excited about the pace. Not just because it sets it up for us, but what it what it will do to all of them who try and go out that way. Well, all I can say is uh, you, you've, you've got a lot of people, certainly a lot of blood uh, rooting you on uh, in, in, in the week ahead. I'm sure you're just going to have a great time. You look like a, a fun love group, and uh, I, I wish you all the best. Well, John, I appreciate it very much. I do, with my Breeders' Cup Vice Chairman hat, want to say that as excited as we are about this year's Triple Crown, we're equal, equally excited about the uh, Breeders' Cup come this November in Santa Anita, and we hope uh, all of your listeners will make plans to be there with us as well. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I'll, I'll tell my listeners that they're not a hard group to find. Look for a large group of fun-loving horse lovers, and you'll find Jerry Crawford and the people from Donegal Stable. Jerry, thanks so much for, for spending the time. I, I wish you nothing but the best, and, and know that Margot Breslin's looking down and rooting for your horse on the first Saturday in May. Oh, that, that means a lot, John. Take care. All right. Thank you very much. Jerry Crawford, ladies and gentlemen, again, now he is uh, going to be giving 5% of the Colts' earnings uh, in the Kentucky Derby to the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. And uh, Kent DeSormo said, hey, how can I get a piece of this? I want to get on board. So he's also uh, offered that he's going to give up 5% of his earnings. And then, again, as he said, uh, Gary Palmer, uh, the president and CEO of Prairie Meadows, said, whatever you guys earn, I am going to match. So it's a great cause. And and just a great effort on Jerry Crawford's part. You can't help but get in the corner and root for these guys. And really, I hope you were at Keeneland to see the celebration that they had. Well, uh, Jerry, again, heads up uh, partnerships. Uh, he goes into it uh, with it, with his head straight. They pretty much know what they're going to spend. Uh, they, they plan out how many horses they're going to have and uh, pretty much the program that they're going to run, which has obviously been successful. And coming up next, we're going to talk to another individual uh, who, who's done the same thing. His name is Marty Grunder, and uh, right now he owns a piece of in lingerie and uh, a nice filly by the name of Sweet Cat, uh, both fillies with a future. So we're going to talk to Marty Grunder right after we take this break on Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... 
America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now is, uh, I can say, a good friend, uh, Marty Grunder, uh, a gentleman I've known for about 30 years now, and I have to wind the clock back, but let me just paint with a broad brush. Uh, Marty uh, uh, put himself through college uh, mowing lawns. Uh, he, he's a fantastic entrepreneur. Uh, he's a motivational speaker. Uh, he owns one of the biggest and best landscaping companies in, in southwest Ohio, Grunder Landscaping, and he's put into racing what he put into his business acumen uh, as far as uh, his, his, his knowledge of, of running a business. And uh, one thing that I learned at, at a uh, speech, I'll call it, it was more of a, a learning session that I went to listen to Marty, was uh, how the number one thing of any business or any venture that you do is your in- integrity. But we'll get to that. Right now, I need to wind the clock back many, many moons ago. I was waiting for a sub sandwich at Milano's, a great place in Dayton, Ohio, and I went over to a small bar called Timothy's that was right next door, and this little redheaded kid comes up to me and says, aren't you John Engelhart? I looked at him, I'm like, yeah, how do you know me? He goes, I watch you every week on this stretch run. <laughs> and he, at the time, and he wanted to be a track announcer, and I said, well, get your glasses, get a tape recorder, and come on down. Marty actually came down to River Downs a couple times and gave it a shot. And, man, am I glad, and probably is he glad, that he never got a job as a track announcer because right now he's one of the most successful businessmen I know. Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Grunder. Marty, how you doing? I'm doing great, John. Thank you so much. I didn't tell any lies in there, did I? No, no, that was all. That was all good. I, I was not a very good track announcer. I wanted to do it, but wasn't very good. Probably wouldn't have been paid to do it either. Hey, you're in, you're in, you're in on a better side of racing now. You know, believe me. You know, you don't have to come to the track every day, though. I still consider that a blessing. Uh, but uh, being on the ownership uh, side isn't bad. Now, Marty, you didn't all of a sudden jump into the game and luck into uh, a Breeders' Cup horse and a and a filly that's looking really good, pointing to the Oaks, right? Tell us no, how you no, got no. you got into the game and the steps you took and kind of the learning curve that it gave you to the point where you are now. You know, I uh, I started going to Keeneland with my father when I was about five years ago, uh, about thirty nine years ago, and we grew up on a small farm in Southwest Ohio and had horses and always dreamt someday that I would own a racehorse. And about nineteen ninety four was involved in a uh, little uh, racehorse named after my daughter that I owned in partnership with a long-time very successful Ohio horseman, Gary Aiken. Uh, the filly's name was, was Mighty Emmy, um, named yes. after my oldest daughter, Emily, who's now 18. Um, her first race was at Thistle Downs, going four and a half furlongs in a maiden special weight. She, she threw Michael Rowland off her back into the bushes twice um, <laughs> in the paddock, went to the gate, threw him off again, then went in the gate and won by five at first asking. And that was, that was my first taste of horse racing, uh, she was successful in Ohio, won the Tada Stakes at River Downs. I remember and, her well. Yeah, and, and was, a, was a nice little filly. Um, after that, uh, John just 
participated in some other things, tried a, tried a couple on my own and had various degrees of success, owned a, a pretty nice race mare that Dick Lundy trained named Julie's Love Letter that was great at stakes placed, and uh, four or five on the lawn in allowance company at Arlington and, and got the bug. Um, my father passed away unexpectedly when she was at the end of her campaign, and I just didn't feel like partaking anymore. It just it wasn't as much fun. My kids were, um, as you know, it's hard to make money in Ohio, and and for me with my young children to have horses running in Florida or Kentucky or New York or wherever, um, I just couldn't do that. So stayed out for about ten years, and that leads us up to today. And it, and and it's very interesting uh, how you got associated. Uh, with the partnership uh, that you're in? I mean, did you do your due diligence? Did you do some homework, or did you run into this guy by accident at Timothy's? Yeah, you know, actually, it's kind of funny. Um, one of my mentors on the business side is a gentleman by the name of Carl Friedrich, who has been extremely helpful to me in growing my business endeavors, and we've become very close, and, and we share a love of horses. And he uh, went to work for a gentleman by the name of Lee Midkiff, and Lee um, was involved with Team Valor, was a part owner in Animal Kingdom that, of course, won the Derby last year. And Lee, like a lot of entrepreneurs, um, you know, they they are constantly looking for new and better ways to do things. That's just how we're wired. And Lee decided um, last year, about 11 months ago or so, to form Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners. Um, Lee was a client of our landscaping company, and... I couldn't believe that I had a client that won the Kentucky Derby. So <laughs> I said to Carl, I said, Carl, can you please introduce me to this fella? I would really like to meet him and, and find out what that's all about. Well, when I met Lee, I could not believe the depth of understanding that he had of the sport, the industry, um, at, for someone that had only been involved for a few years um, and when he decided to go out on his own, I immediately became very interest, interested in what he was doing. Um, and what I liked was the entrepreneurial approach that he took. Um, Team Valor, as you know, is an extremely successful um, organization. And, you know, Lee, I, I know from being involved with that, learned a lot, got the bug. And he, I think, in a very effective fashion, has addressed a lot of the things that I think horse owners maybe at times become frustrated with. Um, as you know, John, it's very difficult to play it at the level that you'd like to play because of the risk, the investment, so on and so forth. And Lee, with the help of Aaron Wellman, who used to be associated with uh, Team Valor, have formed Eclipse. Um, they presented in one of their initial offerings a filly that I just was, um, was very impressed uh, with by the name of Sweet Cat, um, she is a, a filly by the Red Hot Sire Kittens Joy, um, and she's out of a uh, Carson City mare. And I was just really impressed with the mare. I was impressed with the fact that I could get in at a price point that wouldn't jeopardize my kid's college fund. Um, <laughs> got involved, and, you know, we first time out, we were second in the Jessamine Stakes at Keeneland on the lawn. Uh, and then the time after that, we were third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly. Um, and it's been an awesome ride. She's, uh, she won uh, a, four, a five and a half furlong sprint on the grass at Gulfstream last month or earlier this month. And we're pointing her towards some other 
stakes uh, places as well. Um, since that one did so well and I had so much fun in the Breeders' Cup, uh, they presented another filly a few months ago named In Lingerie, and that filly um, was second the first time she ran for us. She was a little rambunctious in the gate, lost to a very impressive filly you may know of by the name of Zoe Impressive. Uh-huh. Um, and then in lingerie, recently won the Bourbonette Oaks at Turfway, and she's pointed, and she, if all goes well, we, we hope that to see her in the Kentucky Oaks in two Fridays. Well, it's got to be awful exciting, I mean, for you to get back into the game and, and, and have a, a Breeders' Cup horse and, and a horse that's going to be uh, competing in absolutely one of the pr- premier historic uh, Philly races in the country. Uh, it just has to be uh, amazingly uh, a- a- exciting for you. I mean, do you have any other offerings in the works, or are you just going to kind of enjoy these two oh, yeah, they, and help them make know, you some money now? Uh, between Aaron Wellman, who's the racing manager, and Lee Midkiff, the chairman of Eclipse, these guys do their homework, and they're constantly scouring for mares that, you know, I, I like the Phillies. That's my preference, but it's not just Phillies they buy. Um, they're uh, constantly scanning, and I've looked at several other um, proposals. i got some kids I have to put through college. so um, <laughs> Quite you know, a few. I'm, I'm really, not to steal your line, but I'm really just a regular guy, and <laughs> I, I have to, I need to be careful with what I'm doing, but, but the investment that I have made in these two horses uh, the entertainment value alone has, I mean, this, this stuff, no, no person, I mean, I'm lucky. I need, to, I, I need to go buy lottery tickets or something else. But uh, on, a, on a serious note, the way these guys vet this whole process between, you know, making sure we're buying something that's sound, they're not taking any chances, they're, they're running numbers, they're checking for feedback, they're, they're placing horses with trainers like Todd Pletcher, uh, Patty Gallagher, all, I mean, they just, these, I, I'm extremely impressed with the way they run this thing. Um, and I guess maybe the thing that's most impressive, um, and this is no shot uh, against the trainers that I've worked with in the past, but, uh, John, I, I feel like I know more about what's going on with these horses, and I own a small portion of them, than when I owned the majority of other horses. They're, and this is at a whole other level, Marty. Yeah. Their, their communication, um, the fairness, the openness, um, you know, if, if there's an issue somewhere along the line with anything, they communicate it up front, there's full disclosure, you know, and, and I think maybe a lot of that has to do with the fact that Aaron Wellman, the, the sharp young racing manager, um, is an attorney, and I, he, he's just a, between him and Lee, they are excellent communicators, and Lee being a very successful entrepreneur, uh, I, I just think he has a unique understanding of what the customer wants. He is a forward-thinking entrepreneur that wants the experience to be just as pleasant for his customers as it is for him. And I, I just can't say enough about what they've done. I, I, I hope I can continue to do things with them. And, you know, even if I would win the lottery or come across several millions, I, I still think the way these guys run this thing, it, it just makes it so enjoyable. Well, all I can tell you this, Marty, from everything I've observed about you from the time you were at the University of Dayton uh, through where you are now, everything you're saying about these gentlemen can be applied to you. 
And uh, again, I, I, I've heard you, you speak, and uh, you, you really you just make so much sense. I feel like I could walk out of that room and make a million dollars. And and I have taken a lot of the things that you've told me and tried to uh, apply them to my own life. If if nothing else, I come away from my projects uh, a better man. I may not win every time, but I feel that I put forth my best effort. And uh, a lot of it is because of some of the inspiration that you've given me. You're a fantastic public speaker. Uh, just to be, before we break, are you you making any appearances? In the, in the near future, because I'd advise anybody to go see. Uh, John, I have, there's all kinds of places. I speak all over the country. You can visit me at martygrunder.com and also couldn't help but, but learn on before. Um, in Lingerie has donated a portion of their winnings to the Susan B. Corman uh, Foundation in the Cincinnati area because Eclipse is based in southwest Ohio. So that's just another reason I like these guys. They you know, I'm a big believer that you, that you get out of life what you put into it, and this is a good group of people, and, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of it, and I appreciate the nice things you said about me. Thank you. All true, Marty. Well, I can say I've been surrounding myself with great guys all night, uh, Marty Grunder, uh, Jerry Crawford, and coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I think one of the best handicappers in the country. His name is Mike Watchmaker. Hang in there. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me again, uh, the Daily Racing Forum's Mike Watchmaker, uh, an excellent writer, handicapper, and in some cases with Jay Privman, a comedian. Uh, I hope that you go to drf.com and pull down the Kentucky Derby Top 20. I'm kind of like a, a kid waiting for Halloween every year for these guys to start bringing out their, their, their top horses in the Derby. It, it's, it's, just, it's something that's just so entertaining and informative uh, that I just look forward to it, and then I look forward to the updates uh, every week. Uh, so with me right now, ladies and gentlemen, from the Daily Racing Forum, Mike Watchmaker. Mike, how you doing? I'm well, John. How are you? Thanks for the kind words. So I hate to break the bad news to you. I mean, we're we're at the end of the road regarding Derby Watch. Uh, it was the uh, the last Derby Watch this week. Next week we'll have a, a Derby template where um, you know with a list of field and post position order, and Jay and I will have uh, uh, dueling comments. But uh, we're at the end of the road, mercifully, because it's been a long haul for me anyway. 
Well, uh, you know, but you, you still maintain your, your sense of humor. I was scratching my head about Trinenberg, and as you said, his best shot at getting the Derby's 10 furlongs is with the assistance of a Sally horse fan. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand why what his connections are thinking. I mean, you know, we, we heard... Uh, we heard for the better part of two weeks that it was he was it was eighty five percent against running him. I mean he's a spring bred horse. He's never been a step beyond seven furlongs. Uh, you know I I just don't understand why they're running him this tribe. I and it is America. He's got the graded earnings, but to me, to my way of thinking, that that just points out one of the weaknesses of the graded earnings clause. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I, I've campaigned for the, the greater earnings clause to be tweaked for years now, and, you know, I, I think there should be an emphasis on three-year-old form, and you could do that by devaluing some two-year-old uh, earnings, and I think there should be an emphasis on, on two-turn races, and you could do that by devaluing uh, greater earnings uh, in, in sprint races. And if you do that, I think you get a, a stronger derby field and it. You know, I, I, unfortunately, we're not in a situation where Trini Burke is, is knocking out a very serious horse, but yeah, I, I just don't, I don't understand what his connections are thinking. I mean, I, I, I you know, if they let him cut to the infield, he might have a chance. <laughs> now, along the concept that you just presented, would you have perhaps a board of racing secretaries uh, to decide who would get into the race? Well, I, I wouldn't trust the Board of Racing Secretaries. I mean, there are some very astute racing secretaries out there, and there's and there's some very weak ones. I mean, it's it's the same as every field of endeavor. I mean, you've got you've got strong people and you've got weak people, and and uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, that it would open the door to uh, some uh, political decisions. Uh, you know, I've seen the way some of these racing secretaries, not not specifically, but I've seen the way the voting block, uh, the racing secretary voting block behaves in the Eclipse Award votes. And, and you know, they, you know, sometimes you'll see a very uh, odd uh, group of votes for horses that really shouldn't be getting Eclipse Award votes. And, and then you realize that it's probably coming from from uh, from uh, tracks where these horses are based at. And, and so it, it invites uh, it invites some political decisions that I think would be more uh, controversial than, than than what we have already. I, I think the solution's very simple. I mean, you know, there are all there are a whole bunch of good solutions out there. I mean, you know, there are some people that think that we should instead go to a point system, uh, a, a one, two, three finish point system with more points available in grade one races, or fewer points available in grade two races, and fewer still points available in grade three races, and that's a very good idea. Uh, the idea is that I've, I've floated is that, you know, they should be, there should be an emphasis placed on three-year-old form, uh, an emphasis placed on route form, and an emphasis placed on dirt form, and you can do that very easily by uh, picking your spots and devaluing the graded earnings and, and races that don't follow along there. But, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways that you could tweak this to make it the absolute strongest rule you could possibly get, because it's obvious now we're in an era where you're going to get 20 horses in the Derby every year. Oh, without a doubt, you see everybody punching their tickets, and basically you can punch your ticket at the Delta jackpot and just sit back. Which is wrong. I mean, you know, I, you know, not to knock the Delta jackpot, it's an entertaining race, but, you know, you, you can never get a really good field in it. 
I mean, and, you know, why should a race that's run in last November that's not a Breeders' Cup race uh, be an automatic birth to the Kentucky Derby? I mean, you know, there's... You know, there's a lot of evidence of the huge disconnect between two-year-old form and three-year-old form every year, and not so much this year. A lot of the, a lot of the main players this year, uh, Bodie Lasher, of course, being a glaring exception, but a lot of the main players this year had, had, were good two-year-olds last year. But a lot of recent years, more than not, uh, you know, we've seen uh, a big disconnect between two-year-old form and three-year-old form, and I, and I just don't see... Uh, why a horse who wins a, 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 a rich stakes race, a stakes race that, that, that has a rich purse mainly because of slots revenue, uh, that's run in the middle of November, uh, that's not a championship kind of race by any stretch of the imagination, uh, he'll basically carve out a starting spot for a Kentucky Derby horse. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, a horse like that, you know, like in this, in this instance, it's Sabercat. Horse like Sabercat, all this run up to the Kentucky Derby, uh, was guaranteed a spot in the Kentucky Derby. And Sabercat was a bad eighth in the Rebel, never ran a step, uh, actually improved finishing third in the Arkansas Derby last time out, and yet he was still beating almost 10 lengths. And yet he was always a lock to get into the Derby, whereas a horse like Bodemeister, who's going to be the favorite, wasn't a lock to get into the Derby until he won the Arkansas Derby. I mean, even a second place finish in the Arkansas Derby wouldn't have got him guaranteed him a spot in the Kentucky Derby. And Bodemeister is a horse that, up until this Arkansas Derby, was an excellent second, beating less than a length, and the fastest prep race run this year, the San Felipe. So I just think it point you know, and, and you know this and and Trinibird, uh, having a berth in the Kentucky Derby of uh, victories in the Grade Three Swale at seven furlongs and the Grade Three Bayshore at seven furlongs, I think just basically underscores the weakness of the graded stakes rule as it stands right now. Uh, absolutely, you you make you make so much sense. If if there's ever a vote for racing czar, you you you've got my vote. Well, uh, the name that just came out. <laughs> I don't want the headaches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, certainly everything you say just makes way too much sense, and I wish uh, racing could embrace it. The, uh, the name in the last five minutes that's come up more than any in your conversation was Bodie Meister. I, I believe your editor-in-chief has pretty much declared him his, his derby pick, uh, Stephen Christ. Uh, uh, can he break the 130-year curse? I guess this is the question everybody's asking. Uh, obviously, his, his times are sensational. Does he have enough foundation? He certainly got the breeding. Well, I, you know, I, I think he's got uh, as good a chance as, as anyone I could think of uh, in recent years. Um, uh, in 2007, uh, Curlin attempted to uh, uh, win the Kentucky Derby without having raced it too, and and people are, are are actually reflecting back on it, and I think erroneously. I mean, you know, Curlin was good enough to be horse to, to go on and earn Horse of the Year honors in 2007, and he repeated in 2008. And people are saying, well, if a two-time Horse of the Year like Curlin wouldn't could win the Kentucky Derby without having races a two-year-old, then why should Bodie Meister? And well, we don't know if Bodie Meister's Horse of the Year material, but you know, there there are significant differences between the two right now. I mean, number one. Curlin wasn't uh, by far and away the fastest horse in the race when he ran in his Kentucky Derby. And number two, Curlin was a closer, and he had a bad trip in the Kentucky Derby because of his running style, whereas Bodemeister has excellent early speed, and that early speed is probably going to keep him out of trouble early. But the thing of it is is that 
you know, Bowie Meisters are in three straight triple-digit buyer speed figures. Only three other horses in this Kentucky Derby have ever earned a triple-digit buyer speed figure, and each one of those three only did it once. So there is a decided possibility that Bodemeister might simply be clearly the fastest, clearly the superior horse in this derby. I mean, there's an excellent chance that could happen. And when you have that, then, you know, why, why couldn't he win this race? Now, I'm not saying I'm picking him, because there are other factors to consider here, too, such as pace dynamics, ability at the distance, a whole, you know, a whole myriad of other things involved here. But going into it, I mean, you know, wh- why can't he win it? And, you know, and the other name that I think about is, 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 uh, is Pusaichi Pegasus. And, you know, he's a horse that, you know, just by mere technicality, uh, uh, met the, uh, having raced as a two-year-old, uh, role because, I mean, this is a horse that, uh, only raced, uh, once as a two-year-old, did so in the middle of December and, and didn't even win. So, uh, you know, I think it could be done. I think it'll probably be done, uh, if not this year, it'll be done sooner rather than later because, all of these old derby rules have fallen down by the wayside, you know, and, and, and the race has become such a crapshoot. I mean, it's, you know, because there are 20 horses involved and because everybody wants to race and because the preparation uh, now to run the Kentucky Derby is, is as much involved with how much greater earnings you can collect as opposed to what race actually fits the horse. Uh, I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be done sooner rather than, rather than later. And, uh, you know, I, I think Bodie Meister has an excellent chance to do it, but I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to pick the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, though. <laughs> well, the good thing is, if you do pick the favorite in the Kentucky Derby, as Mike Battaglia said, you may get five or six to one. I don't think oh, that you will. You will. Yeah. Free about the curse of Apollo. I think he has to worry about the curse of looking at Lucky. If for some reason he should the one hole, I think that could really cost him uh, his best shot at, at showing how good he is on the first Saturday in May. Well, well we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to be back with the Weekend Warrior, and we're going to go through the top three races that you'll be able to see that Mike Watchmaker picked in this week's edition of the Daily Racing Form for Saturday. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, the weekend warrior himself, 
Mike Watchmaker, who uh, selects races from across the country each week in the daily racing form and kind of breaks them down for people in every region. But, of course, we know that in this day and age, uh, it doesn't really matter where you are. You can get some action down anywhere. Uh, we're going to first look at the Cliff's Edge Derby trial, the grade three, going a mile at Churchill Downs in years past, way past. Horses would sometimes go into this race and end up in the Derby. That doesn't happen anymore. I, I think, if anything else, uh, you, you kind of look at the, the, the Derby trial like maybe you look at the Jerome in that these are races that you may see horses running for the Black-Eyed Susan and the Preakness Stakes instead of the run for the Roses. Well, I'm not even sure that we have any Preakness candidates in this race, John. I mean, it's, you know, if you're an 11-horse field, uh, it's an interesting betting race, and, that, and that's what I look for first and foremost when I, do, when I write the uh, the weekend warrior column, but that said, you know sometimes the pickings are slim, and 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 I you know I I, I kind of thought that uh, of the major stakes races across the country on Saturday, uh, it, it could be a chalk fest. And the other thing that's kind of interesting about this race is that it, it's a Grade Three race with a post time of ten forty two in the evening. I mean, <laughs> how many graded stakes races have you ever seen? With a post time that late, I mean, not I think many, it would I take place in Evangeline Downs or someplace like that. A, a graded stakes race. Yeah, I'm sure they have stakes races that that run at many nighttime racetracks, but not graded ones. Uh, and and so uh, that's kind of interesting. But you know, the first two favorites in this race are going to be Bourbon Coverage and Painter. Uh, Bourbon Coverage uh, uh, won his first two career starts, like the Second Coming of Man of War. Uh, you know, he got triple digit buyers in both of those races. Uh, Painter. Uh, won his first time out uh, at Santa Anita. He did not run nearly as fast as his Bourbon Courage did. But then uh, he leapt from the base special weight level to the grade one Santa Anita Derby. He stretched out from five and a half furlongs to a mile and eighth. And, and he showed, I thought, a lot of quality, uh, finishing a very creditable fourth in the Santa Anita Derby, uh, beating less than four lengths for all the money. Uh, behind, uh, I'll have another in Creative Cause report, too, top-tier candidates for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, these, these two horses, Bourbon Courage, you, you know, uh, won both of his races at Fairgrounds. Uh, and Painter, they, they are going to be the first two favorites, and, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if either one of them won this race. But at the same time, they're going to be running at a new track for the first time. They're shipping for the first time. Bourbon Courage is up not only in class but in distance. Uh, Painter is now cutting back to a distance that may or may not be good for him right now. Uh, I, I just don't think that they're great betting values in here. Uh, I'm going with a horse named uh, Nonios in here. Now, Nonios, uh, I like him because his form, number one, is solid. He won his first two career starts uh, at Golden Gate, and the second one, he earned a 93 buyer speed figure that says he should, and he did it at, at this one mile distance, that says he should be competitive uh, in a race like this. But I also like Nonios because he represents a kind of a pet angle of mine, um, and, and that is he's taking a subtle but substantial class drop in this race. If you if you look carefully at his past performances, uh, when he was third as the favorite, notably, in an allowance race last time out at Golden Gate, uh, he was one of a field of eight, and that was a race for older horses, and he was the only three-year-old in that race. Now, Interesting. Three-year-olds against older horses uh, this time of year. Is, is always a tough thing to do, but at this time of year, it's very tough to do it, and you know, Nonios was a creditable third in that race, and the first two finishers, uh, Hudson Landing and Photoshopped, were both in excellent form going into that race. Hudson Landing was a nine-time winner 
Uh, Photoshop is a four-time winner. They both ran well enough that they're actually coming back and running in the San Francisco Mile uh, Saturday at Golden Gate. Um, and now Nonios is back in with members of his own age group. And to me, that is a subtle but very, very significant class drop. Uh, and it's a move that often seems to fall through the cra- cracks. I think Nonios is going to offer some betting value in this race. And, and I think he's got a legitimate chance uh, to make an impact. I know it's a lot to ask for, for both uh, Bourbon Courage and Painter to, to not fire their best shots in this race. But I think Nonios is going to be competitive. Using your train of thought, I'm going to go with Hierro. Uh, this is a horse who, uh, in his only start at Churchill Downs, was uh, a very solid winner, going uh, seven furlongs uh, last season with Julian Le Peru up. Uh, came back in, in the sham. Uh, you know, Secret Circle was in that race. Uh, it's, he had an excuse. It says he was pulled and steadied. And then in his last race, he came back in an optional claimer at Santa Anita. Again, off slow and steadied. And, uh, uh, in that race was uh, Brigand, who I believe ran a solid second in the Jerome last week. Uh, you got Le Peru, who's kind of in a bit of a zone in Kentucky right now, trained by Steve Asmussen. So, again, kind of using your, your train of thought of how do we beat the top two horses, I think that's the one I'm going to take. Well, I, I'll tell you something about Hierro. Uh, I'm, I'm off him, so it makes him more dangerous. I mean, <laughs> this is a horse that I was a big fan of last year. You know, there was a lot of talk about this horse at Saratoga last summer that he, that he was uh, one of the best three year olds in Steve Asmussen's part. And I needed him like oxygen in his second start uh, at Delmont Park. It was a wet racetrack. It was, it was Jockey Cup, Gold Cup Day. Uh, he finished a narrowly beaten second in the race. And at the time that that he ran. He ran it early in the card. The track was intensely speed favoring, and he was beaten by the bias. Um, so I, I followed this horse. Uh, I, was, I was put off by his race in the sham. I didn't, I, I didn't think he had an excuse at all in the race, but you know, I'm off him now. I used to be a big fan of this horse, so that makes him double dangerous. All right, Weekend Warrior. I've got about uh, four minutes to knock out our next two races. Let's go deep in the heart of Texas. Looks like there's going to be a lot of new players down there for the Grade 3 Texas Mile. Uh, some people you don't see every day down at Lone Star Park will be visiting on Saturday. I like endorsement in this race. He's the second choice of the morning line at around 3-1, to one, I think, um, uh, endorsement is a horse that uh, was a, a popular wise guy horse for the 2010 Kentucky Derby after he won the Sunland Derby, but he never ran in that Derby. Uh, he suffered a fracture. It knocked him out for 21 months. Uh, he came back with three solid races at Gulfstream. The first two, uh, he, was, he ran into horses on big winning streaks, but he broke through with a solid win in his last start. He's a horse that, that, that can go either way. He can go to the lead or he can be effective rating off the pace. I like endorsement. Well, I think it might be interesting to see uh, Canonize in here. Uh, the horse had always been sprinting, and uh, Ron Ellis finally tried him at a mile, and uh, he got the job done in the Santana Mile at Santa Anita. Uh, the race before that, he finished two and a half lengths behind a horse called The Factor, who's not a bad animal himself. The thing about Canonize is this is a horse that's had nothing but layoff lines throughout his entire career. And this horse is now finally being able to put some races together. It shows that he's, he's finally going good, and I don't think it's a coincidence he's won two of his last three starts. He's the morning line favorite. I think he's you know, an obvious horse in the race. All right, well, let's move to a horse, a race that is just packed with class, and it's in your backyard, 
the Grade 3 Westchester. They'll be going a mile, and it, it's not a big field, but it's a classy field, and I think awful hard to separate a couple of the top horses here. Well, I, I think, the, uh, to me, there's no question who the best horse in this race is, and that's to water and serve. I, I think to water and serve is an absolutely top-class racehorse, and I thought he proved it uh, when he won the Cigar Mile uh, late last November in his most recent start. Uh, he beat a, 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 a three horses in that race who all came back to win a handful of stake races, uh, one of them a grade one race, and, and he's an absolute top-notch horse. But the, here's the thing about to honor and serve. He is a horse that, up to this point anyway, does not run well fresh. He lost in his career debut. He lost his three-year-old debut last year off a three-month absence. He lost his comeback last summer at Saratoga off a four-month break, and now he's coming back off a five-month break, and he's pointing to the Met Mile. This race is to set him up for the Met Mile. He might be vulnerable in here. I'm going with a logical alternative. I like Jersey Town. Jersey Town worked very well before he made his uh, 2012 debut in the Sir Shackleton at Gulfstream, and then he ran well in the Sir Shackleton. He's worked well since, and Jersey Town is a kind of horse that uh, manages to put good races back-to-back. I think Jersey Town is a logical alternative to Tawana and serve in this race. I, I'm, I'm going to have to have to go with a boys at Toscanova. Uh, I think this horse has really, you know, come back after his race. I mean, he's got Ramon Dominguez in the saddle, who's very familiar with him. Uh, obviously, he's always been pretty well backed at the window, except for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile against Uncle Mo. This horse has been odds on and uh, usually trains fairly well up, up to his races. Uh, is uh, no stranger to Belmont, and he's two for two at the mile distance. I'm reluctant to say anything about boys at Tosfell because I don't want them to beat me. <laughs> Mike, you're, you're the best. Thanks a million. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Watchmaker, uh, whatever you do, get a daily racing form every Saturday. Travel with him. He's the weekend warrior, and he fights the good fight, and he brings home plenty of good winners that makes great sense. Mike, thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies tonight. My pleasure, John. All right. Well, that pretty much uh, wraps up what I feel was a, a really uh, fun and, and exciting show. Uh, thanks so much to Jerry Crawford from Donegal Stable. We're going to w- wish him and his Irish friends the best of luck with uh, Dula Han. And then uh, Marty Grunder, of course, will have in lingerie in, in the Kentucky Oaks, a self-made man that's made a lot of good decisions in racing. We hope you'll make good decisions in racing by going to winningponies.com and checking out their products and services because they will get you to the winner's circle more often than not. So wrapping up a great show, I'm your host, John Engelhart. A view from the grandstand over the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, listeners, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.